right, all right, all right. Welcome back, welcome back. You know what time it is. It's another edition of the Fan in the Van podcast time. Uh, just bear with me as I'm feeling a little under the weather, so. Um, but a lot of interesting things, you know, always they always occur in the sports world. Um, you know, and we're on the eve of opening day, which is now being threatened by this lovely New York weather that we have where it seems to be raining more here than it does in Seattle lately. Um, you know, and speaking of the Yankees, I'll get into the NFL and everything in a little bit, but as far as the Yankees go, it's been a lackluster offseason, and it's something that we're not used to, and, you know, I've been gauging a lot through Twitter and every other social media site that I'm on, you know, as far as, you know, the trade for the kid from Texas, who looks like a decent shortstop, who... You know, listen, if you go by sabermetrics, he's apparently better than Story and um, Correa and, you know, whoever else. So we'll wait and see. You know, but mainly about the Josh Donaldson part. And again, my complaint is this. It's, it's simply the fact that you traded away a young piece in Urshela who isn't going to get hurt as much at the age he is, as opposed to the age of Josh Donaldson. And from the financial standpoint of it, you controlled Urshela and paid a minimal where you have to pay an obscene amount of money to a guy who's not going to be healthy all year. And you could sit there, you can listen, you can say, Jim, you know, you're jinxing it, blah, blah, blah. Listen, let's just call it what it is. Let's just be realistic, okay? Josh Donaldson's not going to play a full season healthy. If he does, I'd be amazed, okay? Now, you know... Again, if the Yankees were so afraid to spend in the offseason, then why would they even make this trade? The answer is really simple. It was a way just to get Gary Sanchez out because, you know, they, I guess they felt that Sanchez wasn't the answer. Or maybe they felt that if Sanchez had a good year, they're going to have to pay him the way they're going to have to pay Aaron Judge. And speaking of Judge, you know, he comes out and he tell you know, because they asked him about, uh, Carlos Beltran speaking of the cheating scandal and blah, blah, blah. And he said, you know, there's really no need to talk about it. And he's right because we've beat it to death already. But as long as Carlos Beltran is working on the Yes Network, as long as Carlos Beltran is around baseball, just like Altuve and just like everybody else who's cheating, even the Yankees, okay? Because people are sitting there and like, you know, like you talk about Houston and you talk about Boston, but you're not bringing up your precious little Yankees, Okay. The letter's going to be unsealed, and it'll prove that the Yankees were stealing signs, too. Like I said, every team has cheated in some way, shape, or form. Yes, even my New York Yankees. They've done it. I'm not going to sit here and tell you they didn't. I'm not going to sit here and cover it up. Okay? I'm not some corrupt politician. I ain't going to sit here and cover shit up for you. I Listen, like I said, this podcast is about being real, blunt, honest, and raw. And listen, I'll be real with you. If MLB has the proof, then they got the proof. I can't sit here and make up excuses for it, and nor am I going to. And if you're a Yankee fan that's going to sit there and make up excuses for it, well, then guess what? Don't don't interact with me because it, it's not going to lead to a good argument. I'm telling you right now. Um, you know, but again, and, and I talked about it in the last one, you know, Cashman using that as the excuse about the World Series drought. <laughs> Listen, we, we, I've already beaten that one up, so I'm not even going to bother with that. But 
Then I'm sitting here yesterday at work, and I get two notifications. So I'm figuring, all right, maybe they're bringing Brett Gardner back, which I would be fine with, because Brett Gardner off the bench is a decent piece. Instead, I got to read, we're bringing Greg Bird back on a minor league deal. <laughs> Biggest move of the offseason. Congratulations, Brian Cashman, Hal Steinbrenner, and the New York Yankees. Then, 20 minutes later, Marwin Gonzalez gets an opening day roster spot. Another big move. Yankees must be listening. They must be listening to the fan base because this is what we wanted, right? This is what we wanted. We wanted Greg Bird back and we wanted Marwin Gonzalez. This is what we wanted. And this is the other thing that you fans have to realize. Now, when I say this, and I know there's going to be fans that agree, and I know which ones they're going to be because I'll hear from them later. I don't care that Donaldson's hitting bombs in spring training. I don't care that Kyle Hitchikawa is hitting bombs in spring training. I don't care that Marlon Gonzalez came in and all of a sudden had this little spark. Again, it's spring training. You're going up against guys that are going to be back bagging groceries at, at friggin' Stop and Shop next week because they're not going to make the roster. Okay? It's not like you're going up there full game speed against Scherzer or DeGrom or Shoatani or John Gray. Let's see Donaldson hit bombs off of them in a clutch situation. I know Higgy could do it at times, but, you know, let's pump the brakes a bit. You know, I sit around and I'll joke. I'll be like, oh, Donaldson hit a home run. Here we go. We're going to the World Series. And somebody actually, you know, commented on it and goes, yeah, getting Greg Bird was a big deal. Oh, Maron. Because you don't get my sarcasm in the post at all then. Because there's nothing good about bringing Greg Bird back. Nothing at all. What did he do when he was a Yankee? He was okay at best. And when I posted it, my buddy Jim from high school, you know, commented on it, you know. And pretty much he said the same thing I did. George has got to be spinning in his mausoleum. And Hank would have ran this team with that anything to win mentality. You know... Hal and Brian Cashman could speak it, but they don't act it. You know, again, talk is cheap when you're not backing it up. Now, I'm not saying this Yankee team could go out and, you know, can't go out and win a World Series because, you know, anything can happen. You know, granted, okay, Severino had, Severino had the body soreness and then, you know, he pitched fine, you know, in his next outing. That's great. But are we going to have to worry every time he has a little ache that, oh, this is it. We're going to have to shut him down for the year. You know, like with DeGrom, you know, he could be out. He could be out for a long period of time. Now, if you're a Mets fan, you you don't you don't wish that happens, you know, and then Scherzer's not going to start opening day because he had a little hammy issue. So it's like on paper, you looked good. And then all of a sudden the injuries start. And where it's like the Yankees don't look good on paper, let's be real. Because after Cole, it's question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. Okay. The Mets look good on paper, but both teams now have to transition this to the field. So the Mets had a good spring training. The Yankees had a good spring training. But now you have to transition this into full game speed on a regular day in the regular season. And the Yankees... Just like the Mets, they both have uphill battles because 
even for the Mets, it's a little easier, barring any further injuries. But the Yankees got an uphill battle because not only did Toronto get better, Boston got better. I think Tampa's kind of dialing it back because you traded Austin Meadows, who was one of your prime pieces, to Detroit for more younger players. See, this is what Tampa does. But see, Tampa, unlike the Pirates and unlike Oakland, see, Tampa gets this right. But let's see if they get it right this year or do they fall back to that losing they, 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 those losing seasons of the Tampa Rays that we're used to seeing. They trade away the big name because they're poised to have a big year and they know they're going to have to pay him in a contract year. Okay. So they trade him for younger pieces they know they can financially control. And when you're a team like the Tampa Bay Rays where your whole payroll is about $12 million less than what Max Scherzer's getting in a year and you're still winning the AL East and the Yankees have a payroll that is a quarter of what Scherzer's contract is in a year and what Bryce Harper gets in a year and what Mike Trout gets in a year and we sit in a wild card spot every year and then one and done. Yeah, this is the wake-up call, Cashman. And Hal, this is the wake-up call. This is the call where, okay, well, if they're doing more with less... How do we do more with more money? And again, it's not let's go and crush this luxury tax through the roof. I'm not saying that. But get the key pieces that you need. You know, you missed out on Javi Baez. Another piece that in Detroit, let's see what he does in Detroit because he'll probably put up at least 20, 30 home runs in Detroit. You know, let's see what John Gray does in Texas. And if Texas is out of it by the All-Star break, I wouldn't be surprised if all the moves they made, they decide to put all those pieces on the trade block. You know, like the Miami Marlins did a few years back when they got Mark Burlisle and they had Jose Reyes and they went friggin' money crazy, but they couldn't win. And then all of a sudden it was like, okay, well, we're going to trade Burlisle to Toronto. And I think it was like a, three, a three-way deal that involved the Mets. And then that's how Syndergaard wound up going to New York. Okay? <coughs> but if you're telling me with this lineup... Now, granted, again, anything can happen. If the Yankees come out hot, sweep Boston, then go the next three or four series winning all those and have a good commanding lead in the AL East, and they keep it up till the All-Star break... This is where you have to sell me that this team will go further than, than, than we're used to seeing them go. They're going to have to have a 10 to 15 game lead all year in the AL East. Garrett Cole is going to have to be lights out every fifth day. Seve is going to have to be healthy. Montgomery is going to have to give you at least six innings a game and give up no less than two runs. Okay? Whoever the fit, Nestor Cortez is going to have to pitch at least five innings a game and give up no less than three to four runs. This bullpen is going to have to be dominant. That's the expectations here for me. Because if you're a Yankee fan that's sitting there and you're comfortable with, well, okay, we got in the wild card and we got to go and play a, a, you know, a best of three in Minnesota again. Sorry. That's not my expectation. 
My expectation every year as a Yankee fan, as it should be for you, is AL East champions, AL champions, World Series champions. Just like for the Mets fans, NL East champs, NL champs, World Series champs. And this would be the perfect year to see a Mets-Yankee World Series again. But because Hal and Brian Cashman are afraid to do what's best and they have a subpar winning mentality, let's call it what it is, you're not going to see that. So <clears throat> what are you going to do? Um, but getting into the NFL side of it, I don't understand when you make trades Okay, not that I don't understand when you make trades. I don't understand when you do this one. Miami trades Devontae Parker in the same damn division with New England. Why? That is so stupid. And then now that, I think the Amari Cooper trade kind of set the bar of what you could trade for as far as like a decent wide receiver and get minimal back. Because that's exactly what happened. So, like, Miami got whatever out of New England, and then New England gets a 2023 third-round draft pick. Ooh, okay. Wonderful deal there. Um, and then the other day I got into it with somebody on Facebook about who's if, D, if DK Metcalf became available, should the Steelers make the move? Because according to some Steeler fans, Deontay Johnson's not a number one wide receiver. But, you know, last year he was, you know, tied for 10th with yards receiving, you know, as opposed to Metcalf, who was ranked 28, who was under 1,000 yards. And that's what Russell Wilson is, your quarterback. And granted, Russell Wilson also had Tyler Lockett, Dwayne Brown. You know, you, you had Rashard Penny in the backfield who could catch out of the backfield. I understand that. But Deontay Johnson had over 1,000 yards. With a 39-year-old quarterback who was deemed washed up and couldn't do it anymore. <clears throat> now, I'm not saying DK Metcalf doesn't go on and have a thousand-yard. Well, Drew Locke is your quarterback. He's probably not. So, but as far as the you know, if Metcalf becomes available, as far as I'm concerned, you've all heard it from DK Metcalf himself because he's his own source, and he said. I'm not available as per DK Metcalf. So he's not going anywhere. He likes the vibe in Seattle. It's a rebuild. And he's going to be the featured offensive weapon. So, you know, this is what I this is what I've said in previous episodes where it's like, you know, these guys just write reports and articles just to write. But you have nothing factual to back it up. We have a number one in Deontay Johnson. He's only going to get better. For the past two years, he's led the league in receptions. He's another guy like Juju who will fight for the extra yard. He's another guy who could run routes almost exactly like Jerry Judy can. And with a younger quarterback in Mitch Trubisky, and I granted again, I get Trubisky's not the sexy name. But, you know, th th this is what we have to deal with. And if you go watch tape on Trubisky, it's not as bad as you think it is. Okay. And then you hear the rumblings of the Steelers might trade up with the Giants to either the fifth or the seventh pick because the Giants don't even have enough cap room to sign all their draft picks. So 
can Malik Willis really be had by Pittsburgh? When you look at the first five picks, okay, being it's Jacksonville, Detroit, Houston, the Jets, the Giants. Giants don't need a quarterback. Jets don't need a quarterback. Houston don't need a quarterback. Detroit don't need a quarterback. And Jacksonville doesn't need a quarterback. Carolina at six does need a quarterback. If you could get to the fifth spot, Malik Willis is as good as yours. But if you don't and you get to the seventh, I would wait to pull the trigger till you see what Carolina does at six. Because if Carolina goes Kenny Pickett, then I'm on the phone with the Giants and say, okay, let's execute this. Let's get this done. And again, you could sit there and you can listen to this. And if this happens on draft day, you can whine, bitch, piss, moan. But this is a move that should have been done three years ago that they're doing now. Okay? This is Colbert's swan song. Colbert wants to build. He wants to bring in pieces that are going to make this franchise a Super Bowl contending team when he walks away. He's not a GM like Gettleman who just sat there and huffed paint. And just like, okay, with the sixth pick, I'm taking Daniel Jones. <gasps> okay, and then I'm going to trade out of this pick, and I'm going to trade out of this pick, and I'm going to take Kadarius Tony. No. Kevin Colbert is going to draft what he feels is best to work with Mike Tomlin to get the Steelers back to being that Super Bowl contending team every single year. Okay. They have to break out of that comfortability of being comfortable at whatever pick they sit at. You could be mad that they're going to trade away the first pick, that their first round pick in this year's draft and possibly next year's. But you're getting, if Malik Willis lives up to all the hype, you're going to sit there and say, this was the greatest move by Kevin Colbert on his way out the door. And if it doesn't work out, then okay. But guess what? You don't know till you do it. You have to realize sometimes the biggest risk in this game is the one you didn't take. And I, for one, am tired of the Steelers being comfortable just sitting there at whatever pick. Granted, yeah, okay, they traded up to get Devin Bush. And Devin Bush was decent in year one. Then he had the injury. He comes back and he was blah. Okay, I understand that. But now, you know, you bring in Flores. And you bring, in, you bring in guys to kind of maybe help him out. <clears throat> you know, you bring in Jannard Avery, who could be a complimentary piece next to him. You know, every day I got to hear, oh, this is the day the Steelers signed Tyron Mathow. Listen, if they were going to do it, it would have been done already. Mike Tomlin, yeah, he called him. But who doesn't Mike Tomlin call? Okay. Bottom line is this, he's going to visit with New, he visited with New Orleans yesterday. Chances are New Orleans probably has a deal signed, sealed, and delivered to him. Tomlin and Colbert both came out and said they don't like to sign guys later into their career. Could this be a move that backfires on them? We don't know. If he signs with New Orleans, we'll find out. Because if he's a shell of his former self, then it's going to be, oh, I'm so glad they didn't do it. But then you're going to hear the other side of it, where it's if he's this all-pro and pro-bowl safety like he usually is, it's going to be, oh, yeah, see, these are the same old Steelers. They never do anything. 
The Steelers aren't looking to get older. They're looking to get younger. Okay? And I'm not saying that at 30 years old that, you know, you know that Matthau can't be that end-all, be-all. But at the end of the day, I would much rather have, to be honest with you, I would much rather have Terrell Edmonds back there. Because it's somebody you could keep, you could you could have on the cheap, and that's it. And that's it. Bottom line. But you know, it's just it, it's just one of those. It's one of those things. Being hard, it, it's hard being a Steeler fan. It's hard being a, a Yankee fan because you have one side of the fan base that thinks they know it all. You have another side of the fan base that. Doesn't know a damn thing. And it's one of those where it's just... You're damned if you do. You're damned if you don't. Um, You know, but there was another thing. Keenan Allen came out the other day. And pretty much he took a shot at sports analysts. You know, listen. People are saying he's soft for saying what he said. You know. But this is part of being a sports analyst. You know, this is you know a sports analyst gets paid to to judge. A sports analyst gets paid to you know dissect a certain person's game set. So was it? So I don't think it was soft on Keenan Allen to say it, but I could see where you think it's soft for him saying it. But I don't think he's soft for saying it. You know, maybe because maybe because it was Keenan Allen that said it. Because to me, Keenan Allen is one of the most underrated wide receivers in football. If you go and look at his stats, they will tell you that. That he is underrated. Granted, yeah, he's had injuries here and there, and I get that. But at the end of the day, Keenan Allen is very underrated. He's very underrated. I know if Keenan Allen was available, I would love to have Keenan Allen on on the Steelers right now. You know... Um, another thing I seen NFL wise was this rank, this top 10 quarterback ranking. I think PFF did this one. So yeah, Rogers one, Mahomes two, Brady three. For the love of God, why is Deshaun Watson in the top 10? Why? He hasn't played in over a year and we're putting Deshaun Watson, why? Because he's in Cleveland? Because he's in Cleveland? And if you saw the deposition video, I found this very telling. He didn't look comfortable in it, one, but I don't think anybody would look comfortable in a deposition video. <coughs> but the lawyer asked, did you find the woman attractive? And his first words were, those weren't my intentions. Then the lawyer says, I didn't ask you that. I asked you if she's attractive. And you could tell he's kind of trying to dodge being honest. And I don't understand why. Because if, if you feel you're innocent, then why couldn't you just easily say, yeah, I think she's a hot piece of ass. Let's be real. Let's be real. If that was me, if I was Deshaun Watson, well, you've seen her. Hello? Hi, I'm Earth. Have we met? Yeah, she's fucking hot. Come on. Really? Really? Come on. You know, again, we all knew, and I know it's repetitive, but we all knew there would be this backlash. We all knew there was going to be all this stuff that now is going to come out of the closet. We all knew this. We're not fucking stupid. We all knew what was going to happen. Okay? 
But, but, the deposition video and, and uh, the body language, to me, eh, he might be hiding a little something, something. I mean, 22, 22 accusations is a bit obscene. But out of those 22, if I had to guess, maybe three of them went away they shouldn't have went. But again, does he have to be penalized by the NFL for, for violating the misconduct code? After 22 accusations, yeah, because if Roethlisberger was suspended after one, yeah. If the NFL's sitting there and they're all about equality and justice and this, that, and the third, well... You know, again, the NFLs looked hypocritical at times of that. So maybe this is the one where you get it right. Just saying, Goodell. Just saying. Because I mean, for me, if I was Roger Goodell, and granted, I understand. And, and you're going to have those fans. They're going to sit there and they're going to be like, yeah, but, you know, in a court of law, you know, they, they, they deemed there wasn't enough evidence. Listen, I get that, and I agree. I agree. There isn't enough evidence to take it to trial. But did you ever ask yourself why? No, you didn't. I don't even know why. I mean, if they're sitting there and they had all these messages between Deshaun Watson and these 22 women, and they were all via either Facebook, Instagram, text messages, Whatever it was, did anybody go and authenticate them to see if it was from Deshaun Watson himself or if it was legitimate messages? What was said in these messages? I don't know because I haven't seen a single transcript of them. Were they released? I don't know. I never heard anything of it. But again, 22 accusations to me does kind of violate the personal misconduct code. Again, whether he actually did it or didn't do it the fact is this you work for the nfl and you have to conduct yourself as such so the minute you make the nfl look bad there has to be a punishment but then again we've seen where the nfl's been made look been been made to look bad by countless others in their domestic disputes and they've gotten slaps on the wrist so if i'm the nfl wake the fuck up because you suspend a guy for betting for, for betting on games, and again, I understand it's illegal to it, well, it, it's not illegal to bet sports, but when you're an athlete betting on the NFL, a sport of which you play in, I understand, I understand that part. But the hypocrisy of the fact that he didn't hit anybody, he didn't dr he didn't get in a car drunk and kill somebody, he didn't kick a woman in the head, he didn't choke a woman in an elevator. He didn't do anything of which Greg Hardy's ever done. Ezekiel Elliott, Ray Rice, Zach Stacy, and countless others. All he did was hit a little button on his phone. And he gets suspended for a year. This is the ass backwardsness of the NFL. To me. To me. Now you could think different. And you could sit there and say, well, I don't think he should be suspended at all. <laughs> well, if you think that, then let's go back to Big Ben Roethlisberger then. Then he shouldn't have been suspended either. Okay? Because if you're going to say one shouldn't be, then none of them should be suspended then. How about that? 
And I'm not saying what Ben did was right. I'm not saying what Ray Rice did was right, because it's never right to do what any of them did, okay? But if Ben had to face a punishment, and that was for one accusation, then Watson needs to answer for 22 of them. And for that, it's a year suspension. And what does it matter? Because Cleveland protected him. And you, you sit there, how do you protect, how'd they protect him? They're not paying him $23 million this year. That starts next year. Because he's getting a base salary of a million dollars, and they did that in the event that he gets suspended. Because Cleveland doesn't care about these 22 other women. Cleveland only cares about Cleveland. And trying to be a winner. Let's put it this way. Cleveland only cares about Cleveland. They don't even care about Baker Mayfield. And listen, again, I'm not a Baker fan. I'm not a Baker fan. But again, the fact that... And and again, I'm not afraid to give credit where credit's due. But the fact that Baker went out there every Sunday, every Thursday, every Monday... And bawled his ass off. Let's let's call it what it is. He bawled his ass off. And you fans in Cleveland. And I get, listen, it's never pretty in Cleveland. Nothing's pretty in Cleveland. (coughs) But. The fact that Cleveland came out and they said they wanted an adult quarterback. And you got another child, the quarterback isn't seen. It really is. So, I don't know what's going to happen in Cleveland. But, if he doesn't get suspended, we're going to have a serious problem in our hands within the NFL as far as what gets punished and what doesn't at this point. Um, I might do one tomorrow, depending on the weather, only because if there's no wet, only because if it's raining, there probably won't be an opening day. Um... But you know what? I'll probably do one anyway. So we'll get back to back. You'll get back to back episodes. Um, unless I'm freaking deathly ill or whatnot. But, um, you know, and I'll try to get together with Jay and do one on Sunday. We'll, maybe we'll do a little draft preview. Um, so, you know. But again, as always, I like to thank everybody who, who watches the videos on YouTube, retweets, listens, my buddies at 420 Sports. 1420 Sports, sorry. Um, so you can tell I'm a little out of it today. Uh, my buddy Torch the Poet always retweeting Nate's Daily Wagers. Um, yeah, and the countless others. Uh, people always ask, where can I find the podcast at? Well, obviously, you got Apple, Spotify, Good Pods, Anchor, Pocket Cast, Pod Chasers, Podbean. Um, we are on Newsly as well, so... If you do use the code FANVAN, you get a free month of premium subscription. So, you know, go check that out. And, uh, you know, till tomorrow for opening day, which uh, will be all Yankee talk. There will be no NFL. Um, so if you're a fan that listens, you know, if you want to, you know, you want to leave questions on my Twitter link for this episode, by all means, and I'll answer them on the episode tomorrow. So till tomorrow, stay safe. Peace.